0: This is John Fraser, and you are listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast.
1: Hello.
2: Well, this week went from ho, ho, ho to no, no, no in the space of 19 very frustrating Monday evening minutes against Sheffield United. As Gilliman and Dai took advantage of some incredibly generous early Fulham defending to put the ball beyond Marit Rodak for the game's only goal. We're still top of the table at Christmas, and let's face it, we'd all have taken that at the start of the season, but it does leave us wondering where we go from this point in the season. Your regulars, Matt Dom and Baldo, are here with me to restore the festive cheer. Plus, we welcome back an old friend of the show, Sonia Twigg, for her first appearance of the season. And Dai, made before Christmas. My name is Matt Boisclare and this is your Fulham Focus Podcast. Fulham. Well, guys, that was really, really disappointing, wasn't it? We've made excuses lately about why we haven't been winning. We had the illness against the Derby, which then bled into the Preston game. We then played well against Bournemouth in the top of the table clash and thought we deserved to win that game. Then Luton last weekend was pretty average, wasn't it? But 11 games unbeaten has turned into five games without a win now. Sonia, I'll come to you first. We haven't spoken to you this season yet. Welcome back. What are your thoughts on on Fulham at the moment?
1: Um, Well, I haven't actually been able to get to anywhere near as many Fulham games as I did last year, just through work and stuff, but... I did watch them at the start of the season. And I thought this is promising. You know, it's the attacking football that was missing last year. It's creative. Finally, Mitrovic seems to be playing in a system that not only suits him, but works for the rest of the team. Um, but, you know, recently it's just been a... It just looks a bit flat. I'm not entirely sure why. Um, that cutting edge that seems, you know... I've never seen Fulham score as many goals as they did at the start of the season. It was almost incredible, you know, completely demolishing teams. And that seems to have slightly faded recently. And it's kind of a lot of time conceding early and then having to fight back into games, which I think always leaves you a bit a bit struggling. And yesterday was just a very organised Sheffield United side. Um, and Fulham just lacks that sort of fighting quality to get through, really.
3: Yeah, we, we lacked that that creative edge and the ability to create chances that we've we really had earlier in the season and I think it, I think most worrying is that I count that as kind of two poor performances in a row um I know French, you don't you don't think we were that bad but um at least you know you think of the Bournemouth game as a disappointing result but we we should have won that by several goals really uh Luton draw was probably about fair, but we, we didn't do enough to win that, I wouldn't have thought. Uh, and last night, we, we didn't create anywhere near enough to, to even get one back, let alone two. Um, and that's sort of, it's a little bit, you, you were looking at that like yesterday, it's so 11 games without without defeat, that's good. And now all of a sudden it's, you know, we have one in five. So, yeah, it, it's it's a bit of a worrying trend. Um, I was convinced we'd get back on track last night. Um, it just felt like, you know, back at the cottage evening game, lead up to Christmas, here we go. It's it's gonna happen again. But but yeah, we 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 lacked all over the pitch really. Uh and mm-hmm. I can't quite put my finger on what went wrong, but it was just it was poor all over the pitch.
1: Adding to that, because I did speak to Marco Silva before the match at the pre match press conference and sort of the whole mood was very dominated by COVID. And I do wonder if that uncertainty is slightly creeping into the game. You know, Marco Silver admitted that there are unvaccinated players in the Fulham squad. That's got to come into his consideration. He did say there's a lot of, you know, uncertainty because you're preparing for matches and you, you just don't know how many players you're going to have available. So, I mean, obviously that's the same for every single team, but I do wonder if that's slightly creeping into, you know, some people's thought processes.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's quite understand. I think that's quite understandable. You know, the whole COVID situation is you know, worrying for a lot of players, especially when you don't know. You know, there's games being called off left, you know, left, right, and centre around the EFL and Premier League and you know, everywhere else. So, it's understandable. Um, just so in terms of my in terms of my view, I'm frustrated, obviously. Um, I don't know whether or not I'm in the stage of worry that um, that you are dumb. I I can kind of understand why people are there. Um, yeah, I've been saying on the podcast in previous weeks. You know, I'm fine with just being um, in the top two. I've no, I'm not fussed about um, whether or not we go top. In the same way that you are, French, because you went on that, on that brilliant rant uh, a couple of weeks ago about it. Um, but I can see why. You know, if we haven't had the chance to, you know, push on and increase what was, you know, we should have been able to take advantage of a Bournemouth side that are that are stuttering at the very least. Um, and the fact that we haven't been able to increase that gap is is frustrating. But worrying, I'm not quite there yet, just because I do think this is just a bit of a blip rather than something that's going to be, you know, two, a two or three month problem. I do think we can sort it out, but I but we need to sort it out sooner rather than later, obviously. If we don't, if we don't, then I'll start to worry.
2: I think the problem you, we, we have in this day and age is with social media and WhatsApp and WhatsApp groups and all that sort of stuff is that people can overreact and spread their um, their nuisance thoughts very very quickly, and I, I think we're, we're we're all guilty of it. So last night was was super frustrating, and we're, we all leave the cottage really pissed off that we've lost the game, and straight away you're looking for somebody to blame. Well, Robinson, he gave the ball away too much, or Mitrovic was shit. He he wasn't on fire again last night. And the defending for the first goal was awful. Who can we blame about that? And maybe it was just a collective off night, maybe, or maybe it wasn't. But I, I personally thought that although we didn't create many opportunities, we spent a lot of time attacking last night and knocking on the door. Um, there just wasn't that final killer pass. And I, I think that's testament to the way that Sheffield United play, because I, I thought they set up to stifle us. They closed us down really quickly. And we were reduced to playing the ball sideways and, and back across the defence. Lost count of the amount of times Harrison, Harrison re-picked the ball up in front of the defence, looked around for a pass and there was nothing on. So he passed it back to Tim Ream and then it went from Ream to Tosin. And, you know, we were trying to find another route around. And it was it was very slow and very frustrating, which is really contrasting to the way that we were playing a few games ago, where there'd be one or two passes all of a sudden, somebody would, like Wilson would play play the ball over the top or Seri would play the ball over the top to Wilson and the ball's in the back of the net, you know? And and we're not finding it that easy at the moment. And In the last few games, we've only scored one goal at, at, at the most. You know, the last time we scored more than one, I think, was that Barnsley game, which was probably the game before... You know, Derby were 0-0, one all at Preston um, and so on and so forth. So it, it, it is frustrating at the moment. I don't know how we break the cycle. But I, I do disagree with anyone who says that Fulham were poor last night. I don't think we were poor. We just weren't as good as we usually are. And we just weren't creative enough. we missed a cutting edge. And as I said, I think that cutting edge has been missing since the Barnsley game. What, what do you guys think?
3: Um, well, I mean, i, I got to say I do think I disagree with you that I think we were poor. Um, it's partly what we've come to expect, or um, but <laughs> the thing is, we've got to find a way. You know, most teams this season are going to set up; they're going to watch what Sheffield United did to us last night. Um, play five at the back, and you know, keep eleven men in in the in their own half, and they're going to play like that against us. We didn't have an answer to it last night until. Right at the very end was was pretty much our our best chance of the game, our only chance of the game. I, I dare I say it. Um, we have to find a way, and given given the the we said so many times this season, we've got such a strong squad compared to most of the rest of the league. We do. Um, we're going to have to find ways to break down defenses like this because that's what that's what teams do if they get promoted from this league. It's as simple as that. We're we're supposed to be this. Premier League squad in the Championship, which may may or may not be true. It probably isn't exactly true, but comparatively, we've got the best in the league. We need to show it, and showing it is by undoing defenses like that. Uh, and f- from that point of view, I thought we were we were quite poor.
1: Do you think there were there are that many teams in the Championship that can play with the organization and the discipline that Sheffield United had, though? Because I thought that. They're not a bad squad. They are basically the squad that they went down with and it was very organised and there weren't a lot of gaps and I don't think a lot of Championship sides have the quality or the discipline to play like that.
2: They were one of the favourites at the start of the season to come to come up, weren't they? And just because Slav didn't quite get it right with them and ended up losing his job over it, they, they still have, as you say, the the same squad that they came down with. They've got very good attackers, although I must admit the guy who did actually score. I'd never heard of before the game. I'm, I was looking towards uh, the bigger name players like um, Brewster and McGoldrick and, and, and players like that, um, who I don't think were playing. Um, and of course, Billy Sharp, who did play. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I think that's a really fair point. And I, I don't think it's a particularly strong championship this season either, which is, you know, why we've we've probably been able to just blow some teams out of the water and look at what we did to Blackburn, who have gone on that amazing run since as
3: well. I suppose. I suppose you think about the teams who have done that, played that way against us, and got a result. Um, Bournemouth is another example. Who again, you could argue they've got they've got a good squad as well. But um, uh, <laughs> Reading, we you, they they tried to play with that, but that was kind of our undoing. Um, there, there have been other examples this season of us being shut down, particularly when. Um, when teams score against us. And, you know, we, we've only got that one point against Bournemouth when we've gone behind. And you know, we're not going to say the word worrying, as as Baldwin says, it's too early to be worrying, but it, it's certainly a concern if um, we're going behind in games early on. In the third minute, we've still got the whole game ahead of us, really. Mm. Um, that we, we, can't, we can't come back to win games because um, teams are going to see that. They're going to keep it tight. Nick an early goal because that will happen again probably. Um, like I said, we just need we need to be more creative in these situations.
2: Maybe those stats are slightly misleading though, and I don't know the numbers. I haven't I haven't taken the time to look it up. But most of the games this season, we've been ahead first, haven't we? It's not like we've been behind loads of times this season, so it's a slightly misleading kind of stat to to bat us with. I,
3: it is it is misleading, but it's that's I think that's the fifth time we've gone behind. Is it? And we've we've only got one point from it um so you know that it, it's a trend it's potentially something yeah. it, it seems to be a bit of an Achilles heel for us and I'd, I'd rather we sort of sort it, sort it out quicker than than yeah. not find a way all season you know
2: yeah fair enough all right Baldur I'm going to come on to you with this the the lineup looked pretty strong didn't it at the start I, I dare I say it, it's uh one of our one of our strongest lineups of the season with Anthony Robinson and Kenny Tete at fullback, Harrison Reed, John Michelle Serry, and Carvalho in midfield, and then a strong bench to boot as well, which included Tom Kearney, Bobby Reed, and Nathaniel Chalobah. I fully expected the points when I saw that, didn't you?
0: Yeah, I saw I saw the points as well, and this was the point that um, our, our good friend Stato Arta brought up in the chat, and he said that was our strongest lineup. Um, and it got me—I I was thinking through the first half: is this the first time they've actually played together? Because when you think of all the times that you know Rodak didn't start the season, Tete's had his time out, Carvalho was out the side for a long time. I don't think this was the first time they've ever played together. And I went through transfer mark just basically look through all the fixtures, and I think, uh, assuming transfer mark, I think that was the first time. So I think it just goes to show that we, what we think is the strongest side, um, what is our stronger side, um, does still have. You know, a couple a couple of flaws to it. I, th- I think you know there isn't um, as much adaptability and creativity as we perhaps would like to have there. But you know, as you said, when you look at that, you know, based on what the bits have been throughout the season, you know we know that Reed and Seri is probably our best midfield too. Um you You've got uh, Tete is arguably better than Adoy. All those once you change, once you change every single time. Arguably. what is our stronger team but arguably <laughs> yeah arguably yeah arguably some people some people will find a way to argue um but yeah that is our stronger side but there probably is something that you know probably could still could still be done and you know, you can make the argument maybe uh we need to get someone in 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 the january transfer market
2: when i uh, when i got home last night i was catching up on about 300 odd whatsapp messages from the full and focused team chat from uh from the start of the game and Danny posted into the team chat that he's not sure that Harrison Reed and Jean-Michel Serri is the best combination because they kind of get in each other's way. What, what do you think about that? Do you think that that is the best combination? Because on paper, it should be. But you do see quite a lot. Um, Marco Silva tinkering with Tom Kearney and Jean-Michel Serri. And Harrison Reed seems to be the constant.
3: Um, I mean, on paper, I think they probably are. The thing is, like, I, I don't think... My issue with it is Harrison Reed is playing a role that he shouldn't be playing, in my opinion. We saw last season he was he was kind of the holding player more often than not, um, and he does that he does that hard work. He he presses, he he tracks down, he he wins the ball and he lays it off to a more creative player. And last night and the rest of this season he's been he's been kind of the number eight and the box to box. And it's when he gets near near the other the other end of the pitch you know 40 yards out he it's not his fault he doesn't really he's not a creative player he doesn't find the right pass most of the time he can't shoot for shit as far (laughs) as I can tell I mean every shot I've seen him is either going straight down straight down the throat of the keeper or miles off target and um, it's not it's not his role you know it's not it's not the way he plays and it's not his fault. I think it's something that Marcus Silva should should look at because they are, as you say, the, the best two players in, in the midfield that we've got, but maybe they don't work together and maybe they, they need to be switched around.
1: Personally, I think Harrison Lee is more suited to the holding role. I'm not sure the roaming style necessarily suits him. Um, he was so good last year in that very disciplined in front of the back four kind of mopping up all the tackles. He did a very sort of difficult, unnoticed role. And I think that's almost where he's suited, sort of passes, but not like creating, but creating from the back. Um, I'm not sure his runs, he doesn't run like Tom Kearney does when he gets the ball. He doesn't sort of, I don't think he's quite got the vision going forwards. That might not be that it's not something he can develop, but I don't think that's where he is necessarily suited at the moment.
2: What happened with the goal, guys? I was really surprised at how poorly we defended it and was equally as surprised that we conceded so early. Uh, I've only just before we started to record, I just watched the highlights back, having been at the game last night. And it felt like we were ter- terrible defending it last night when I watched it. And just kind of looking at it this evening, trying to see who might have been at fault. I thought Seri could have done better could have been stronger could have fouled him if he needed to um instead of letting him just go through don't know what Tosin was doing he was looking the other way and then standing about three miles away from it didn't didn't get tight enough and then Tim Ream backed away and backed away and didn't get a block in I mean who you blaming for the goal it could be any one of them really couldn't it or all of them collectively
0: yeah I think you took took the words out of my mouth there you know it is similar to what was happening last year you know when you when we were conceding goals last year, it was a case of oh, he could have done better and he could have done better. I, I think there's a lot of blame all around on this one. You know, there are four you know I could even make the argument that Marl Grodak probably could have done better getting getting down to it. I mean, maybe it's maybe it's uh Rust because we know he's been pretty solid um for most parts this season. He's been solid when called upon, but hasn't really had to do much because he had a pretty good defense in front of him. So I think there's about I think there's about five players that really could. Could take the blame on that so like, you can't really put it on one individual person that was definitely a, a poor team goal to concede
1: I think reem has to do better even when he's tracking back he's not pushing in one way or the other he's kind of weaving backwards and forwards which then means that tosin doesn't know where he's supposed to be in relation to Reem, and like reem's movement almost gets in the way of where tosin should be and I think it's just it's just, a, you know, it's one of those mistakes that happens. Um, it's kind of a lapse, a collective lapse in judgment, I think, is probably the best way to describe it. You know, Sarri should probably foul in there because the worst, it's a yellow and he's, you know, you'd stopped a potential goal-scoring opportunity. But I think there was definitely chances in the defence to stop him later on.
3: I think the annoying thing about it, it just needed one, one of the four or five we've mentioned just to do something differently or do something properly. And it took it took four players all doing the wrong thing for them to score. And it really shouldn't have it shouldn't have ended up in the back of the net because it started what, 30, 40 yards goal? And it just ran and ran and ran. Um, I think you can even blame like what we mentioned earlier with the Serian Reed thing. It's you've got your, your midfielder far too high up the pitch to start with. Um, you know, naturally, Reed has been asked to play more attackingly. Serry isn't naturally a holding midfielder, so he he's too far out the pitch, and and it stems from that. And if if we did have more of an anchor player in midfield, they wouldn't have had so much space. And that's really where their threat came from last night was that gap in in front of the defense and the midfield, where where there was just a huge hole all night long, and no one really playing in there to plug it.
2: One of the positives I, I did take from last night, particularly in the first half, was that I thought we looked very good down the right hand side. Harry Wilson and Tessa linked up pretty well. And you've kind of criticized Harrison Reid's performance for, you know, in, in the final third, saying that he's not that type of player, but I thought he supported those two pretty well over on the right hand side when he was involved. And we kind of had that spell of a load of corners, didn't we, in a row, which we did absolutely nothing with. I think Harry Wilson took a few and his delivery was poor. Um, and then Seri took a couple then they took a couple of short ones and it didn't matter what we tried the delivery just wasn't good enough and that was kind of the theme all night wasn't it we threatened a lot but just the final ball into the box just wasn't quite good enough
1: I'd agree with that I think the final ball wasn't good enough but there also wasn't a huge amount of space in the box I think Sheffield United were very disciplined in their defending I think they did block out those chances that you would sort of expect to maybe one a loose ball force to Mitrovic and he puts it in the back of the net. And I do think that the credit, some credit at least, has to go to Sheffield United's defending I think they were yeah. very, very organised. They didn't leave a huge amount of space. They didn't give Mitrovic time on the ball, which is, everyone knows, can be, you know, particularly deadly. Um, and I think, I mean, I, personally, I don't like short corners. I don't think they ever end up in goals, and I never know why people do them. I always think at the ball of the botch, but it does show that the corners weren't working and they had to try some other way of breaking down that defence.
2: I've still got some sort of PTSD from the short corners that we kept trying in that semi-final against Derby in the playoffs away. Do you, remember, do you guys remember in the first leg, we had so many corners and just, well, just get the bloody thing in the box. We're a goal behind it. It's the playoffs. Go an <laughs> attack. It's so frustrating. Obviously, it worked out all right in the end, but that night was, it was so frustrating.
3: I think, I think Son has sort of nailed it there with um, three centre-backs. Uh, and what are we doing with these loopy crosses all game? That that was kind of my frustration with it. It's like try something different, drill something, drill a low cross in. Uh, they they're good in the air, but they're probably not as quick on on their feet. Get get Fabio in the box to try something different and and put some low crosses in. Um, it, it wasn't working. Uh, our our tactics didn't work. We we could never get. We weren't getting to the byline. Um, and yeah, I, I think more than anything, it's the, the the way they set up and and they deserve a lot of credit because they they stopped us. Uh, that's simple as that they just stopped playing and they, they got the points.
2: One, one thing I was disappointed in was the left-hand side having praised the right-hand side I thought it really was our weak spot Anthony Robinson was pretty sloppy and Niskan Skibano who by the way was subject to some disgusting and deplorable racist abuse on on Instagram overnight so completely completely disgusting behavior from from one individual um, but Cabano just couldn't get into the game, could he? It, it was not his best performance, and I—I I wonder. We've praised him a lot recently, and I, I do wonder whether he was just in the middle of a purple patch, and he's just gone back to being a, a little bit weak. I don't know. What, what do you guys think?
0: Yeah, I think purple patch is is a de is a decent uh, is a decent argument. I think all of our wingers um, at times have had their. <laughs> I you know, I've had their good spells and I've had their bad, and I've had their bad spells. You know, some last some last longer than You know, there was a time during the season where some people were thinking, "Is Harry Wilson really or that?" Because he hasn't really been cont- contributing in terms of like goals and assists the way we probably expected him to. So, yeah, just an just an off knife for an off night for Gabano. Hopefully, it isn't something that's uh, going to be too long because I still I still think when it comes to you know out and out natural wingers because. I'm still not totally convinced that Bobby Reid is totally a winger. He's, he can play that in spurts. I don't want him to be uh, the first choice winger, as it were. Caviero is, is a bit meh. So we, of the options that we have, I do think Cabano is our best. Is you know it should it should be Cabano and Wilson as our two starting wingers. Um, but yeah, just hopefully he, he gets out of this form, or not this form, but Hopefully that was just a one-off performance from Cabano, rather than something to be worried about, you know, moving forward for five, six games down the line.
2: Speaking of poor games, Mitra had a particularly poor game too, didn't he? Everything that was played into him just bounced off his leg. He couldn't get anything under control. He didn't get a sniff. One header he did have, he put it over the bar and we'll we'll discuss his, his later chance in a little while. Um, and I was thinking about this and I, I don't think we're in any position to come on here and, and really you know, criticise Mitro because he's he's earned the right to have the odd crap game here and there by his absolutely stunning form this season. That being said, it, it was a stinker, wasn't it, guys?
1: It was, but also him being an out-and-out winger, as you say, means that you don't get what Bobby Reed offers you, which is the slight unpredictability. And, you know, he does cut inside and run at the box, which I don't think you necessarily get in the same way with Cabano like Cabano is very good but maybe not playing for pretty much all of last year and things just means he he doesn't quite have that natural link up with Robinson I don't know like I haven't watched a huge amount of this season like I said but I just didn't see that kind of natural flow that you do get with someone because Roberts Robinson loves to overlap and that allows someone to cut inside. But if you have someone who's not especially willing to cut inside, it does slightly limit that extra opportunity to do something different.
3: Yeah, I think of of It's as you say. Yeah, he's 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 earned the odd off game. Um, I I sort of felt like there wasn't he wasn't getting the support uh, against Sheffield United. I mean, he was he was obviously frustrated because he was he was getting dealt crosses that he couldn't really he couldn't he was he was getting beaten to them by the the, the defense all the time um and i think i'd have liked to have seen uh, carvalho kind of help him out a bit more i thought i know some people thought carvalho played alright um, i personally couldn't tell you a thing he did um no, not that he necessarily played badly but he wasn't involved in any way as far as I can recall um, earlier in the season before before he was out for a couple of months um, he's come back he's not been as good as he was but earlier in that season there was a real connection between Mitra and Cavaglia and Mitra would come deep Cavaglia would run in behind him and then you know the defence didn't know what to do um, but Against Sheffield United, it was all the defense were just watching everything happen in front of them. Carvalho couldn't get him behind. The runs weren't being found, and yeah, and Mitro kind of he did that thing like he always does when it, when games aren't going his way. He, he drops deeper and deeper and deeper and gets less involved in the game. Um, so yeah, I don't. This, he wasn't he wasn't terrible, but and he should have done better with that header he got. I think in the second half. Um, but it was more a combination of he just wasn't getting the support around him, I don't think.
1: What it reminded me of is sort of a similar point last season where they did start playing Mitrovic, but all the crosses were just being cut out because the only plan was to cross to Mitrovic. And if you're only, as a defensive unit, if you're only stopping one person from getting the ball, it's actually not very difficult. Um, and he does have the ability to bring others into play. But like you said, you know, Carvalho wasn't there to be brought into play and create those opportunities. And I just think, you know, Mitrovic is very good, but he can't do everything on his own. He can't just be this isolated figure that you lump balls up to because that's not his style. And it it doesn't work. You know, watch that God knows how many times last season where he was this sort of lone figure up front that never saw the ball and would get hugely criticised for not scoring, despite the fact that actually there were no chances or opportunities really given to him.
2: Well, we've, we've criticised our attack, but did Sheffield United really do anything attacking-wise aside from scoring their goal? feels like they got in, executed a very good game plan and got out again. The only other chance I can think of is the Billy Sharp offside. There was a, maybe another one in the first half where Billy Sharp almost got in, but was kind of closed down by Kenny Tete and Rodak. Um, but it, it felt like almost a bit like the Bournemouth game again with, with just fewer chances. It felt like there was only one team really trying to win that game. And maybe that's just because Sheffield United got such an early goal and they just thought, right, we need to just defend this with our lives, which which to be fair to them, they did. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm in the same boat as you. I generally, you know, when I was you know, doing the prep for this, I generally couldn't remember any chances or significant chances that they had. You know, the offside one really doesn't count. And there was the one that Rodak smothered. But other than that, no, I I don't think our defense was really properly troubled for the rest of the night. As you know, as you said, I think it could just may well have been that you know once they got the once they got the early goal, right? Let's just let's just, as you say, defend defend for our lives. I think that that could have been it. So I think it would have been interesting to see whether or not if we if we did just been able to get one, whether or not we'd have been able to get two or three. Because I don't think attacking wise, you know that you know they they had a number of forwards out, so they were reduced to Sharp and uh goal scores name I can't pronounce. Um so yeah, I, th- I think if we'd have just been able to get one, I think we probably could have been able to get two or three because they were not doing producing anything all night.
3: Did you we, did you see us getting one though? That's the that's the problem. Like you, you say we might have if we'd have got one, we might have got two or three, but how many how many more hours do we need to play to actually find the net? It it, it wasn't gonna happen, I don't think, last night. Um I think I think they were they weren't like, as we said they had what maybe two chances, um, one of them was ruled out for offside, uh, and but apart apart from that they didn't create any chances. But I still thought they were a bit they were quite threatening at times um, on the break, especially in the first half. Um, just the, the way they set up, they were they sort of smothered our play, and then they did they did attack at, at pace, and I thought there were a few times in that first half where they were going to score you know a similar goal again um so so, so from that point of view I thought they were they were threatening and that was just from their game plan perspective they they got it perfect um the early goal obviously did it for them because then they had something to hold on to and after that point they were winning every 50-50 they were winning all the tackles they were they were well up for it and you compare the two you know the levels of effort that went into that game and there's only one team really that that gave it 100% from if you were a neutral looking at that game, you'd, you'd think Fulham thought they were cruising, uh, and we're just going to turn up and win it. And the attitude of Sheffield United looked a lot better to me, anyway. But um, you know, that's just they—they—they they, they got their plan, they got their goal, and it worked out for them. So, so you know, fair play.
2: One thing that this this type of thing does does do is it gives us a lot of talking points, and it makes the conversations a bit more interesting because. Last year, we were absolute shite all season, and it got really boring talking about how shit we were. And and this season, we've been we've been running out of superlatives to talk about how bloody brilliant we've been at times. And we're like, well, what more can we say about Mitro? We scored another two. And now, all of a sudden, we've just tallied off. So, if nothing else, it gives us some things to talk about. So, let, let's look at the substitutions from last night. Tom Kearney came on at half-time for Jean-Michel Seri. Bobby Reed came on for Fabio Carvalho on the hour, and then with 20 minutes to go. Rodrigo Muniz came on for Anthony Robinson as we went two up top. Arguably, it did make us look more dangerous. I thought we looked more likely to score in the second half, kicking towards the Hammersmith end, but we still couldn't create an awful lot. Ultimately, we had 71% possession, 11 shots, but only one on target. Reminds us of uh, a certain ex-manager's um, stats, doesn't it?
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, that's exactly what we've been trying to avoid, isn't it? Um, <laughs> again... I and, uh, when we played Bournemouth and got that got that result, and then they went and they went and lost in classic Scott Parker fashion the next game. You're like, oh, we've we've uh, we've left that behind us, and how great are we? You know, we're we're now the attacking team, and Bournemouth have to watch this this boring one shot on target football. And then yeah, last night you kind of think, ah, oh, yeah, that didn't. We're we're sort of reversing a little bit. Um, a bit. I, I feel I feel like. As we've said, they they set up so well that it was the players. I think eventually sort of reverted to type, and they've been playing that way for the last two years. That that sideways, um, slow build-up football. That that's kind of maybe a comfort blanket for them. Um, They lost their creative spark, and I think I'm hoping it's no more than that. Um, Maybe the defeat is going to be good for us because (laughs) four four draws in in a row you can sort as decent if you're going through a blip and you're not losing you're doing all right if you draw a few games in a row but as soon as you as soon as you lose then maybe you need to hit the reset button and maybe that's maybe that's what'll happen now maybe they'll get a fire a fire up their ass and um you know show up on boxing day completely different but you
2: know let's hope so mate let's hope so well two of those 11 shots that we had all game came within seconds of each other both in injury time first metro hit the bar and I think Mitro firing on all cylinders doesn't take two or three touches to set himself and run into trouble there. He's just, he sticks that in the bottom corner. Uh, he, what he did do was hit the bar and it's bounced back out to Harry Wilson, who's just snatched at it and fired it over the crossbar. Real lack of composure, disappointingly, from Harry Wilson from, from point blank range. Yeah, uh, what, what do you think? Mitro scores that if he's, if he's informed, doesn't he, Sonia?
1: I think he does. But I also think like one thing we all know about Mitrovic is he's such a confidence player. He always has been. Um, if he scores two goals in a game, you can back him to score in the next game. And I think he does have these blips like he has for, you know, club and I mean, he does always fire for Serbia. But, you know, he he does have these, these periods where he does lack confidence. And I think it's then up to the rest of the team to create those chances and bring him into play. Because, as you said, you know, when he doesn't get the ball, he drops deeper and deeper. And I don't think that helps his confidence if he's, you know, picking up the ball somewhere between the penalty box and the halfway line. Like, it's not, it's up to, it can't only be down to him. I think that's putting far too much pressure on him. And then when he doesn't score, it sort of all gets in his head and he he struggles a bit with it. Um, I think if you come back on players like Harry Wilson and Carvalho to sort of create around him, I think it's a much more supportive environment. And that's when even this season we've seen the best out of Metro.
3: Yeah,
0: absolutely. I agree. I agree with you. And I agree with what Frenchie said at the start. You know, fit and firing metro. Absolutely bear. And you do wonder if, you know, maybe it's the, the frustration of how everything went on the night that he, you know, he felt like he had to get the perfect opportunity to get it. Cause when he first get it, I you know, you look back and think, oh, we could take it on his left. And then you just take a little bit more step. Okay, he's gonna take it on his right. Then he cuts uh, I just think a more if if he'd have had more chances, you know, and got away a couple more shots on target at least during the game, then I think he buries that earlier. But it just is the way he it, it it seemed like he overthought it and then overplayed it, and then obviously, you know, I, I I can't really blame him for the last shot that he took because given the situation, that was probably you know, the best that he could do. But put it in you know into that area of the goal, uh, but he just having to hit the bar. Um, but yeah, I think I. When you look at, it, I think Harry Wilson was probably his chance was probably for the far worse because he had a little bit more of the goal to aim at, and yeah, I, I if you, not not to blame anyone, but I think Wilson's miss was definitely worse than Mitro's, you know, missed opportunity, as it were.
3: I'll blame him. That was a shocker. Like I'm not being funny, but a forward player who's got the ball six yards out ish it's it's pretty much an open goal right on the turn obviously he's had to he's had, he's had to hit it quickly without you know without controlling it but that should be that should be simple for for a player to do I guess the situation of the game when it was so important that he that he did score that maybe that that got to him a bit but you know I I, I think that's a terrible miss. Um Mitro's part in it Maybe he could have taken it the first time, but I thought he's actually done quite well to cut inside and he's taken three defenders with him. He's opened up the space and then from that point, he, he, all he can really do is smash it towards the top corner. Got unlucky with the finish, but Wilson should be burying that. No question in my mind whatsoever. It's a terrible, terrible miss.
2: I think for me, Mitro should take one touch, knock himself uh, down the kind of left-hand side and then shoot across the keeper with his left foot into the bottom corner that, that that's how I saw that going with all that space that he had um but who am I to tell a, a man who's got 22 goals in 22 games that he's played in this season how to do his job so he'll be back he'll absolutely be back he's a he's a brilliant player and and I think also Mitro is at his best when there's lots of chances coming his way and he scores lots of goals from lots of chances but maybe when the chances are few and far between the the pressure's just that that bit more on those chances Um, And maybe he felt the pressure at the end of that game, um, given the fact that, all right, he scored against Luton, but he he hasn't been smashing them in in the last couple of games. Maybe he just felt a bit of pressure. Who knows? Who knows what's going on in his head? But I'm absolutely in no doubt that he'll be back.
3: I'm sure I I saw this. I might be wrong, but am I right in saying that we haven't won a game yet where Mitra hasn't scored this season?
2: Oh, I don't know, mate. I'm almost
3: uh, certain I saw that, and um, I mean, yeah, some someone obviously will correct me if I'm wrong, but um, I think that's right. I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head, um, but no. that in, that in itself is is a bit concerning if that's true, because it just adds, as as Sonia said, it adds that pressure onto the striker to 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 score all the goals. Um, it would be nice if. We would get recently in the recent, you know, five or six games. No, no one else really has chipped in with many goals, and as such, our goals have have, have dried up because up. So, yeah, we we need to start. Other other players really need to start kind of chipping in a bit more for me.
2: So, where do we go from here? Then we've got a busy Christmas schedule. We're not sure if fans are going to be allowed in to all the games at the moment. At, at this point, it's still very unclear. We're uh, we're recording this on the. Tuesday before Christmas, Tuesday the 21st. Last night, we were told that no supporters will be allowed to go to games um, for the foreseeable future in Wales. The same thing's happened in Scotland today. So you can only imagine that it's going to happen in England at some point um, in the next week or two, Um, which then means that, that the players don't have the crowd behind them in the stadiums again which is obviously going to have some sort of impact. So so where do we go from here? What what happens? What happens now?
1: I think the crowd not being there is a big thing, but it's also a big thing for every single team. And it does affect every team sort of equally. Although maybe may be Cardiff slightly more at the moment until the restrictions come in, but generally it will affect every team. You see more wins away, less wins at home. You know, we saw it for all of last season. It's unfortunate and it does affect the team, but it's still, it is something that is universal at the same state, and I think that's kind of important to remember. Like, yes, the Fulham fans aren't there, but neither are any other fans. It's not just Fulham.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think it is going to be interesting to see how and if the players um, do do react to it. Because I remember when when we first had the the lockdown and we had the the, the lockdown comeback. Uh, uh, podcast. Um, it was me, Frenchie, and um, and Danny Boy doing it. And he was saying that um, the fact that we didn't have crowds would probably benefit Fulham because because of our style of play at the time. It was quite frustrating under Parker with the slow build up and there wasn't a chance for fans to get on top of players, as it were, you know, yelling at Ream, just get rid of it sort of thing. Um, so I, I I honestly do think that there is it is going to come to a stage. I don't think you have two of the three nations going to, you know, limited capacity and then have and then not having them do it. So I think it is going to come at some point. So I think I think it will be interesting. And I do think we are a, a, a team now, especially now, that does feed off the crowd. We know how Mitevich is. You know, he's a very emotive. We know his connection with the fans. So I think that could. You know, I'm not going to say it's going to be a complete disaster because I do think. To some extent, level playing field, it, it will level the playing field somewhat, but I do still think we have the best squad in the championship. We should be able to deal with it, but maybe just, you know, we'll be firing at maybe 90% capacity, which should be okay. But no, it does, it does worry me just ever so slightly. So I think, I think the first thing I think, you know, Based on what the timeline is of all the other games, it seems to be kicking in after Boxing Day to allow people to have everything over Christmas. I think we need to get that first three points under our belts, just to you know calm the nerves, calm everything down. So I think that game on Boxing Day is going to be absolutely, absolutely crucial. Hopefully, it serves as the you know the kick of the backside that the Coventry game was, and then we start our our brilliant run from there. So hopefully, the Birmingham game should be a good uh, test to see where we are.
2: I mean, you're using the word "hopefully" a lot there, and my my use of the word "hopefully" is hopefully we this won't go on for too long this time because now we've got the the vaccination program in place and you know the, there's rules around needing a COVID passport to get into football stadiums at the moment, so you know uh, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully this uh, this new variant will just kind of surpass and, and we can just get back to living normal lives, not just football-wise, but just just generally as well. Anyway, let's move on. So Sheffield United left with the points. We do remain two points clear of Bournemouth at the top of the table with three clear of Blackburn who are in third and four clear of West Brom who are in fourth. Blackburn play away at Hull on Boxing Day whilst West Brom are away at Derby. and Bournemouth are away at QPR on the 27th. So we having having Birmingham on Boxing Day for us gives us a chance to extend our lead over Bournemouth and West Brom again because they play a day later. Birmingham are fresh from losing 4-0 at Blackburn last weekend. So how do you see these games playing out, Baldo?
0: Um I'd like to say two form, but we know what the we know what the championship we know what the championship is like. I think um, I think arguably the more the, the most exciting looking game is going to be Bournemouth um, at QPR. I th- I, again, assuming that one goes ahead, because I know QPR have had have had their problems. Um, they've had their problems recently, but I think that's you know arguably the 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 biggest game of the lot because QPR have shown I think on occasions that they can be a team not necessarily fighting for automatic promotion. But I think they're going to be a team in and around the playoffs this year. So. Top six clash there, and also I think because of the implications of what it will do for us, because you know we're looking to get away from Bournemouth uh, as soon as, as soon as possible. Especially if especially if we aren't picking up the results, then we need to start relying on uh, we need to start relying on the other teams around us to uh, drop points. Yeah, you know, as as they have been doing, but we just haven't been capitalising. So I think that's that's going to be the biggest game to uh, t- uh, to keep an eye on. I agree. I think I
1: think Fulham can bounce back. Definitely, I think the results earlier in the season show that it's like definitely possible. Um, I just also think that it remains anyone's guess what's going to happen with COVID and which squad could potentially get it next. And, you know, we've seen so many games called off because there's an outbreak in the squad. And I know Fulham did have their outbreaks last year, so we, we all know how devastating it can be. And the fact that there are unvaccinated players in the Fulham squad, I don't know any more details than that. But I wonder if that's also slightly playing on it, that, you know, there is that potential that certain potentially key players, because we don't know who they are, could also be ruled out.
2: All right, well, Dom, I'm coming to you now. How will we line up against Birmingham? Do you see there being any changes?
3: Uh, probably probably a couple. Um, S- Silver doesn't seem, he hasn't been so far to be the sort of manager who, makes wholesale changes based on one result. Um he's he's got his system, he's got his he's got his players who he thinks he thinks fit. Um we might see Kearney start because I thought he um I thought he played well when he came he, when he came on. He seemed to be he's he's more the sort of player you want creating chances from that that midfield. Um, I thought we looked better with him on the pitch so I'd be I'd be tempted to to play him um the rest of the team I I don't know I mean a lot of them had an off day but it, it probably was just that an off day uh, and if if they're all still fit I, I'd, I'd keep it much the same apart from maybe bring bring candy in for for Serial Reed. um because that's still our strongest team on paper and it's still still the team that should be should be getting under most of our wins so so I wouldn't make too many changes to be honest
0: yeah, I can't say it. I can't see there being too many changes. Um, as a whole, you know, as we said, I rather sad. This is our, this is on paper at least our strongest team, and I don't want to put say oh just because we think it's our strongest team oh it's absolutely terrible now. There's no, just just off the base of one result. Um, but as you said, he he has shown his his willingness to tweak a couple of things. I think the only person there's possibly in the firing line to be dropped is fabio carvalho i think you might see bobby reed drop into that um number 10 second striker role uh, but other than that i think i think the rest of the team should be okay so i think if there's going to be any changes i think that's the only one
3: it's funny isn't it like um it it, it happens it's happened a few times this season where we've gone oh carvalho is not not playing very well now let's let's play bobby reed um and then he probably read starts. And you're like, oh, actually, that didn't really work out. Put, Cal- put Carvalho back in, and and there's a similar thing going on with with Robinson and Brian. Everyone was screaming out for Joe Brian to start games because Robinson is you know so crap. <laughs> um, we go. I'm looking at you there, mate. He's um, you know, he's a bit of a scapegoat. But then Joe Brian plays, and it's like, oh, actually, you know, he's Robinson's much better defensively. So we actually look worse at the back when Joe Brian plays, in my opinion. So, um. It's it's tricky because uh you you don't I don't think we, we should be making too many changes. Um, certainly we, we didn't get hammered uh and we, let's just stick stick to the plan.
2: All right, let's come on to a score prediction then. Are we getting back to winning ways? Sonia, what do you think?
1: I'm gonna go two one for them, but I think Birmingham might score first. Oh, I don't know if I can
2: cope with that. Baldo.
0: Uh, I'm going. I'm going for three-one. I think. I think we will get that. That result will give us the kick of the backside we need, and I think it should should be a lot more comfortable. Especially Birmingham,
2: Birmingham have just lost four-nil at Blackburn as well, so they they've got to be sitting ducks, haven't they? Surely.
0: Yeah, and I'm thinking because didn't we was it four-nil we beat them up at their place earlier in the season? Yeah, Four, it maybe was. three. And it was I know. It was a, I know. know it was a convincing word, I Can't remember the full score, but yeah, I just think it, again, again on paper we should be. It should be a bad thing. As you said, Birmingham coming off a bit of a bad result. So, should to paper, but we know what the championship's like.
2: Yeah, quite.
3: Oh, I was expecting us to smash Sheffield United. I was expecting us to smash Luton. I was expecting us to smash Bournemouth. You, you, you get the picture. I, I, I keep the last five games of, of thinking we're going to go and win this one. Um, so, may, maybe I'm just going to be a little bit more cautious this time. Um, we need a win. We don't. We don't... Necessarily need of thumping win just let's just get three points, get back on the board, get us going again. Uh, I I think I think we'll take it one nil.
2: Nice one! All right, that is us done for the year now, folks. Sonia, thanks for coming back on. Always good to have you with us, and Merry Christmas! What your plans this year?
1: I think I'm actually getting a family Christmas this year, so that should be nice. I've got COVID out the way now, so. I Can't really get it again in the next few days
2: before Christmas. That was Completed smart. COVID. Completed <laughs> COVID. Like it. Nice one. Hope you have a good time, Baldo. Merry Christmas to you, mate. You're still stateside. What's the plan?
0: Yeah, luckily for you, lot, I'm still stateside. So yeah, just hanging out with the uh, fiance's family. Um, basically, Thanksgiving round two. If anyone, if anyone, especially our American, this is know the routine. This is basically another big meal, which for a man of my stature is perfectly acceptable in my eyes. <laughs> all around them sausages sausage and chips absolutely absolutely just got uh, no richmond's though so i've got to have bob evans instead which is a perfectly fine bob evans
3: Evans sounds exactly like the direct (laughs) replacement for richmond doesn't it
0: (laughs) it does yeah it really
2: does good grief um dom merry christmas to you mate what are you up to
3: thanks mate merry christmas um we've got um my wife's family for christmas day and then we're going to my family on boxing day um so yeah fingers crossed obviously if uh but it looks like we're we're, we're good to go given what uh what was said today so yeah yeah I mean, not so. gonna not gonna change those plans uh look forward to seeing everyone and then, um on to reading the you know a couple on of days reading. after that
2: on to reading come on We'll be back after the Swansea game for reaction to that game and the other festive fixtures we've missed and we'll resume the usual schedule thereafter. Thank you all for listening and Merry Christmas to you and all of your families. Have a great time, stay safe and all that stuff as well. Cheers.